0: On Young SAO, welcome to Afternoona Delight, where Leah, Megan, and Amy, three American romance novelists discussing all things K-romance from a writer's lens. We fangirl over our favorite actors and actresses, talk up our trope addictions, and nerd out on K-drama deep dives. We'll throw in a few K-pop and K-skincare wrecks for good measure, because why not ride the haul you wave all the way to shore? So grab some duck bokeh and listen to your new favorite unease
1: hey everybody hello hi there so today i am uh podcasting in a room with my cat oberon and oberon may be talky during the podcast it's hard to say like he was just talking a whole lot and now he's gone he's got some stage fright because you know the (laughs) podcast began (laughs) he knew he knew we were
2: starting
0: to record
1: but he may have some thoughts to share so i just wanted if you hear a cat it is mine. You are not like, you know, going crazy hearing a cat somewhere. And this is a little bit of a busy night because tomorrow we are going to be leaving to go to Australia. And this isn't something I feel like I've talked a lot about on the pod. You know, we've been doing this for over a year. Australia really hasn't come up and that's because of COVID. So normally we're like going on Australia, not infrequently. Um, My husband's Australian. My kids' grandparents are in Australia. They're the only grandchildren. We try to bring them back, you know, every 10 or 11 months to be able to see grandparents. Although during COVID, Australia had like some of the most secure borders in, you know, the world. So we didn't go back for a long time everyone's excited to go. uh, And so for the next, you know, seven weeks or so, I will be podcasting from down under. From the (laughs) the future. (laughs) Exactly. From the future. I will be seven hours behind what I am now, but I'll be a day ahead.
2: Isn't your Australian husband also Canadian?
1: Yes. So he was (laughs) born in Canada. But he okay, so I just recently learned this, which is why I'm like, so fascinated by this. So he was born in Canada, and they migrated when he uh, was five. So his mom, uh, my mother in law, is Australian, like through and through Australian, can trace her bloodline back to, like you know, in part a convict ship where one of their like great greats was a Luddite who broke uh, machinery in England, uh, you know, to <laughs> protest like job loss and you know the rise of the the future. And so anyway, that got him on a ticket one-way ticket to the penal colonies. And then, uh, my husband's father's side, uh, you know, I mean, they all go back to Britain eventually, but they were, uh, Canadian missionaries. And so they, uh, spent a lot of time proclaiming the word in, you know, remote, you know, first nation territories for better or worse. And then, uh, eventually kind of like got into more urban priestly life. Uh, so yeah, my husband's, uh, Grandpa was a an Anglican minister, but you know after that, from my father in law and down, they kind of separated from the Lord, and now they're heathens. And my uh, father in law <laughs> was like out hitchhiking around Australia in the '60s, and my mother in law and her sister had gone to Sydney to see the musical Hair, like in like you know '1960s Hair. And uh, I guess they picked him up at a hostel, like a youth hostel, and he was, like, hitching a ride somewhere. And uh, she had, like, a little MIDI, like one of those little, like, you know, Italian job cars. Made her sister sit in the back seat, and she, uh, she picked up my father-in-law. And they had, like, three or four torrid weeks together. And then he proposed Went back to Canada, worked in forestry, saved some money, sent her money for a ring. Once she received the ring, the father-in-law let her put the like engagement announcement in the paper. He showed up wearing the, his one suit on the airplane and walked past her at the airport because he hadn't seen her in a year. And so she he walked past her. The father-in-law, I guess, saw his suit, which was brown, and was like, you are not marrying my daughter in this, like, janky brown suit. So he had to go get, like, some, like, tux fitted and, like, you know, basically they got married. And then, like, a week later she was on a boat and boated off to Canada, which, you know, she was, like, an urban kind of, like, fashionable city girl and was off to live in forestry camps in Canada for, you know. A while, so you know, pretty exciting. And I don't know much about the details of their romance, as you know, you wouldn't really want to, that being your in-laws. But when she was here visiting about five years ago, she ended up having uh, like a tooth situation, <laughs> and she had to have like dental work done. And when that happens, you know, they give you whatever it is, the good drugs. And I just remember like the people at the dentist's office were like, you know, oh, yep, yeah, over. Here. I want to let you know that was good drugs. They were like. um you can go back and get her now and they were like kind of laughing and I'm like what's going on and I went back and my mother-in-law was sitting there like wide-eyed blinking with this like smile on her face and I was like Whoa boy and she was like hello so I get her in the car we start driving and she's like did I ever tell you about the night I met you know, Nick's father and I was like
0: oh, look out don't. the window
1: at that tree I was like trying to like redirect her <laughs> She was very cute. Her face felt better. But yeah, she was on the good drugs and she was going to give it to me. And you know what? That was one story. I'm usually here for a romance. That was a story I did not want to hear. No, never. Ever. Yeah, I respect it, obviously. Of course. Of course. Good not to. But speaking of travel and things we want to do, you know, many people do want to go to Australia. Many people don't. Lots of poisonous snakes, lots of uh, spiders. Spiders. We're going to be going up to far north Australia, so I'll be talking about that in the podcast. So we're going to the Australian Zoo, the Steve Irwin Zoo, which I'm excited. Oh, about. Oh, that's awesome! <gasps> oh, I yeah. love the Irwins. Yeah. So we're only going to be like much. 20 minutes from there, so definitely going to see that. But we're oh, also thief. going to be going up into like croc. I've never been in like the crocodile. Places Wait, is before. that where the Chlamydia Award is? That's dedicated to Stephen
2: Colbert. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the, All right. The Koala
0: Chlamydia
1: Award. <laughs> yes.
0: Megan, you don't know about this? I, I don't think I do. <laughs> well, I, I'm still stuck on the Irwins. I'm sorry. I follow them on like social media. I freaking love Bindi Irwin like you would not believe. Like I follow her little family. I love them. Her little girl is the cutest thing ever.
1: Yeah, they seem pretty
0: cute yeah, I and mean, cool.
1: I'm into yeah. it. So yes, I will be sharing more as that unfolds. But for the first couple of weeks, I will be in straight up winter like down on the bass Strait, it's going to be i mean the one thing that is is going to be that's going to be hard i think is right now days are getting long that's nice i'm going to be going back to like it's getting dark at like four thirty in the afternoon so we're going to new york uh just for a few days just with uh
0: my in-laws and just you know my family so my husband and my two kids and we happen to be staying right near koreatown in new york city and, of course, I was, like, really excited about that. And then my husband was like, well, we're I was surprised because I didn't want to, like, drag my whole family to, like, Koreatown. But Neil was like, well, we're right now in Koreatown. Why don't we kind of go to a Korean restaurant? Like, wouldn't, wouldn't you like that? Which I was like, oh, my God. It's like the most romantic oh, thing ever. Neil. So we're, like, looking up Korean restaurants. But it was really funny because I told him the... Subject of our podcast tonight. I said, you know, we are talking about locations in Korea that we might want to visit that are featured in K dramas. And he's like, So in Seoul, do you think there's like America Town? It's <laughs> like Do you, you know how like No, the, there's I don't know. there's Subway and there's yeah. Like I don't know, if, uh, in Baltimore there's like a place called Little Italy, like right. on oh, there are numerous. Sites. Chicago so like, has it too.
2: All big. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think all cities
0: yeah. probably do. But it was just so funny because he was like, "Do you think there's like a little New York?" And then he was like, "I mean, what would be an America town like a Texas Roadhouse?" <laughs> well,
1: <laughs> so when I went to Perth in Australia, like Western Australia, uh, like the last time I was there, they had a section. Yes, they had an America store. Not a town, but they had like an America store. And I was like, yeah. I'm going to go see what's in the America store. Yeah. <laughs> it was not a pri- a moment of pride. Right. No, I'm just saying, sure say, not. was it accurate though? Like... I mean, yes, but it was, like, the worst of right, us. Right, of course.
2: Right, right, of course. It always So is. it was
1: just, like, r- a lot of Reese's, pieces, everything. There was, like, Captain Crunch cereal. All, like, the shittiest, like, sugary cereals. Like, that was, oh. like, a big thing. Well, that's kind of rad, actually. Yeah. <laughs> twinkies <laughs> i don't know i just went in and i'm like i mean i guess this is what it's gonna be it just doesn't feel like we've contributed to like a lot <laughs> to yeah, the betterment yeah. of humanity not, <laughs> not twinkies not at all. and Captain crunch yeah cap cap'n, the cap'n, cap'n, cap'n not cap'n cap'n
0: cap'n,
1: cap'n, cap'n, cap'n crunch yeah <laughs> cap'n i don't know anyway um <laughs> so travel obviously is on the minds of all of us tomorrow night at the airport i am crossing my fingers and toes that uh proof the bts uh comeback anthology with some new songs are uh it's meant to be dropping at midnight east coast time i should be at the airport i am really hoping i can get a little bit of that otherwise (laughs) i'm gonna be like in the air during the comeback and that's gonna be really hard but anyway I'm having a lot of struggles as ARMY being gone for like the 24 hour, the most pivotal 24 hours of my nascent ARMY life. I'll be like somewhere over the Pacific.
0: Yeah, it is like ramping up. I, I, and I think I told you, so my daughter has been listening to BTS all the time now. She's really getting into BTS and I'm really proud oh, of her. Who's her bias? I don't, I I will ask her. I don't think she has one yet. I think she's like, I think she's getting into the music. And then the next will be when she starts learning all their names. That's like normally how it goes. Yeah. So I'll have to ask her who like catches her eye. But right now she's, she's really into them. She keeps saying, do you know this song by BTS?
1: Do you know this song by BTS? That's so cute. You let little baby army call auntie Mm -hmm. and I'll talk to her about it.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, I'm not going anywhere this summer. So I'm really excited to virtually travel
1: during our episode tonight. Yes. And yeah, as in case you can't tell from the numerous hints that we've been dropping, (laughs) tonight's episode is all about travel in South Korea, which is something I'm hoping that on my bucket list is traveling to South Korea with the two of you. I was like, it better be with us. Like that,
2: that's all together
1: a bucket list item for sure. For sure. 100%. Big, big bucket list trip. So what we decided was we kind of all picked um, an area that we wanted to, you know, consider adding to our travel itinerary. So we picked a section of um, South Korea and then we also, uh, you know, talk a little bit about like things to see there, maybe some food to try possibly, and then some dramas related to um, to the place as well. So, you know, hopefully some armchair tourism will happen for you listening back at home. And we're excited because I think this like pumped us up. To start to maybe put into fruition some travel planning for, I don't know, 2023.
2: I feel like I need like an entire month
1: there to do all I that know. I want to do, you know, which is, it is true hard. So, um, so who wants to kick us off and tell us where we're off to? So I chose Busan. And
2: I know what you're thinking. Busan, South Korea was a prime film location for Marvel's Black Panther. With that epic high-speed car chase, while the good guys were tailing arm sealer Ulysses Klaus. No, that's not the first thing that comes to mind for you. No, I
1: had no idea that was something.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I was. I was actually confused. I was like, "Did you? What? Did you go off the rails? Did you drink?" (gasps) No, I am completely sober. (laughs) But fine. How about the dramas, The King, The Eternal Monarch, Fight for My Way, and the Apple Plus miniseries Pachinko? Do those maybe ring a bell for you? Because I'm going to be highlighting South Korea's seaport city that I first fell for when watching my Minho as Gon, the universe traveling king of Korea with a C.
1: That's the bell. It rang the bell.
2: <laughs> I'm going to do a few historical facts about Busan in general before getting to a few specific parts of Busan that I, I think would be great to go to and that are highlighted in the dramas that I mentioned. So this is from our lovely friends at Wikipedia. In 1876, Busan became the first international port in Korea under the terms of the Treaty of Gangwa. During the Japanese rule, Busan developed into a hub trading port with Japan, and it was the only city in Korea to adopt the steam tramway before electrification was introduced in 1924. During the Korean War, Busan was one of only two cities in South Korea not captured by the North Korean army within the first three months of the war, the other being Daegu. As a result, the cities became refugee campsites for Koreans during the war. And according to the Korea Times, around 500,000 refugees were located in Busan in early 1951. As Busan was one of the few areas in Korea that remained under the control of South Korea throughout the Korean War, for some time it served as a temporary capital of the Republic of Korea. UN troops established a defensive perimeter around the city known as the Pusan perimeter in the summer and autumn of 1950. And since then, the city has been I don't really understand this. But the city has been a self governing metropolis and has built a strong urban character. So that was brand new to me the whole self governing thing. I don't really understand how that works. But now I'm really, really intrigued and want to learn more. Did either of you know about that, about Busan being self-governing?
1: No. Uh, no, And I still don't really know what that means.
2: I don't either, but it's a thing. Uh, So since I don't know much more about that right now, because it didn't quite fit into what we're doing tonight, I'll look it up another time. Um, Let's take a look at some of the interesting spots to check out if and when we make it to South Korea. Starting with, I'm going to butcher saying this, Hyundai District in Busan. Which is sort of the most populous district right now. Wait, how do you spell it? H A E U N D A E. Okay.
0: Yeah. I'm pretty sure I've heard of that or like
1: it like, sounds like, Hun- like
2: Hyundai, like, like it
0: does. a car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have a Hyundai too. Yeah. So. <laughs> So it's where they filmed
2: the scene in The King Eternal Monarch, where Lee Ho confronts his uncle while on his white steed, Maximus, in the middle of a crowded city street. I love this scene. Uh, and a little yes. bit of history about the area itself, um, Hyundai takes its name from the 9th century Scylla scholar and poet Choi Chi Wan, who, according to a historical account, admired the view from the beach and built a pavilion nearby. A piece of choice calligraphy, which he engraved on a rock at Hyundai, still exists. And the district actually remained pretty isolated and underdeveloped until the 70s, like the late 1970s and early 80s, when a small number of luxury hotels kind of popped up following the Seoul Olympics. Thank you, Reply 1988, for portraying the importance of this event to South Korea. Now it's host to the Busan International Film Festival, which makes basically Busan the South Makes Busan South Korea's movie capital, and Marine City, which is like that little almost peninsula of like high rise residences that we see a lot of shots of in the King Eternal Monarch. And you know, like there, it's really big high rises, and those are like luxury residences. So if you visit, make sure to hit Hyundai Beach, where you'll also find Busan's Sea Life Aquarium. Dine on some traditional Korean street food like tekboki or fish cake at the Hyundai Market. Or head up to Dalmagi Hill to find cafes and art galleries. And in the spring, Dalmagi Gill Road is a top spot for cherry blossoms. And finally, there's Cinema Street with film-related art and sculptures. Like there's some paint, like painted trick-of-the-eye stuff on the pavement. I was looking at pictures. It's really cool. And then Santorini Square, where a lot of Korean actors have left their handprints in the pavement. So very much, you know, kind of like the Hollywood Walk of Fame. So that's a really key spot in Busan that was featured in the King, the Eternal Monarch. And then we've got Daegyo Bridge, which is also called Gwangan Bridge, which I'll say from now on, because that's easier. And it, this also plays a role in the King Eternal Monarch. This is where we see Lee Gon and Tae-ol, Lee ho and Kim Go-on, as they are returning to the palace in Korea with sea by boat. The bridge is a suspension bridge located in Busan, South Korea. It connects Hyundai to Suyeong-gu, And the road surface is about 6,500 meters long, with the bridge um, being just a little bit over 7,000 meters. And it's the second longest bridge in the country after the Incheon Bridge. Thank you again, Wikipedia. Construction for this bridge took eight years, from 1994 to 2002. And it officially opened in 2003. And then a fun fact, or maybe not so fun, for the allegedly inebriated ship's captain, but in 2019, a Russian cargo ship crashed into the bridge, making a hole in the lower level that was five meters wide. Thankfully, no injuries were reported. And the bridge makes an appearance in a few other dramas as well, such as Now We Are Breaking Up, DP, Sisyphus the Myth, or as Megan likes to say, Sisyphus, (laughs) Fates and Furies, and Penthouse 3. It's also in Black Panther. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, I'm going to talk about Youngdo District, which is featured in Pachinko. In it is Sunja's home in Pachinko, the novel by Min Jin Lee, and also the Apple TV Plus miniseries that's based on the novel, starring Oscar-winning actress Yoon Yoo Jung, Kim Min Ah, and Lee Min Ho. And I know what you're saying, Amy. I see a pattern here with your location and a certain actor who appears in both dramas you've mentioned so far that take place in said location. And to that I say, there is no such thing as coincidences, only fate, and I am fated to be with Lee Min Ho. So <laughs> a tiny bit of history on Do, which means young island. And it used to be known as Jo Do, which was Jo Young Island and the longer name came from this mythology of these supposed horses that lived on the island that were so fast that they could run for thousands of miles and outrun their own shadows. So I thought that was a cool bit of mythology. But yeah, isn't that cool? But the government government changed it to Yongdo. And actually Yongdo Gu, which means it's considered a district. A Gu is a district. So if you're like me, the only thing you've really seen of Yongdo is what we see in Pachinko, which is turn-of-the-century Yongdo, and nothing like the Yongdo of today. So what's there now? Well, of course, Yongdo has a bridge, the Yongdo Daegyo Bridge, which connects the island to mainland Busan. It's a drawbridge, which was the first for the city built in 1934. And there is the 395 meter high mountain, Mount Bongnaesan, at the center of Yongdo. People hike the mountain to watch the sunrise and set. And from the top, you can see the entire city of Busan. And apparently along your ascent, there's various outdoor exercise equipment, which seems to be popular in South Korean parks. We've seen it in a number of dramas. And um, established in 1906 in the Taejongdae Park is the Yongdo Lighthouse, which is really cool. And in 2004, it was revamped to be used as a tourist attraction and now includes an art gallery and a museum of natural history. And apparently the food to eat in Yongdo is bulgogi, but not just any bulgogi it's bulgogi jungle which is bulgogi made in a hot pot turning it into more of a stew and Sun bulgogi is a restaurant in youngdo that has been there for 50 years and according to my research has the best bulgogi jungle in which is its signature dish so yum yum and, yeah right and i'm hungry now and finally a quick honorable mention to the rooftop Dong. This is in Busan and this is where in Fight for My Way, our four leads hang out on, it's like the, you know, the top of the building and look down on all those like beautiful colored buildings and rooftops of Busan And they used to have paraphernalia or memorabilia from the drama up on the rooftop, but because it belongs to a private residence, like you can't just go up there, they ended up moving it to a more public apartment building nearby. So you can go see all the memorabilia not actually on this building anymore. So yeah, there's much to see and do and eat and learn in the South Korean self-governed city of Busan, home to my King of Korea with a sea.
0: <laughs> also, because you mentioned the sea life, Busan Aquarium. Yeah, so that's the aquarium in Move oh, to Heaven, yeah. oh yeah, Oh yeah, Bekaru. yeah.
2: Totally, I totally forgot about that.
0: Oh, had I actually always wondered where that aquarium was located because it, i love i absolutely love aquariums and that one really stood up to stood out to me because it's like like massive huge wall the guru stands in front of um and watches the fish and
1: so that's really cool i would yeah love to for go sure
2: go. oh now that i know which aquarium that is actually i'm really
1: excited yeah so if we go are we gonna take the train to busan we have to <laughs> <Wow. Yeah.
0: laughs>
1: and fight all the zombies um,
0: I will make a note that we actually did not focus on Seoul for this podcast, um, just because we kind of found other places that were that were of interest. And I feel like in the future, maybe we will do a podcast. I was like, going to say Seoul's too Seoul too big to
2: do as like a one-off yeah. kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Same. So we're not just, so you know, so we're not really picking places in Seoul for this podcast. Um, and yeah, we'll do it another time and have to split it up between yep. all three of us. And we
1: can save the Busan self-governing que- like maybe for an I have questions. I have questions. Yeah, cuz that's definitely Podcast. added to my yeah. list now.
0: So I chose Daegu. So it literally means large hill. And Daegu is the third largest uh city in South Korea after Seoul and Busan. Um it is the third largest metropolitan area in the nation with over two and a half million residents it's located in southeastern Korea which is about and about 50 miles from the sea coast. So Daegu was an economic motor of Korea during the 60s to 80s period and was especially known for its electronics industry. It is ideal for producing high quality apples, thus the nickname Apple City. And Daegu is also known as Textile City. Textiles used to be the pillar industry of the city. Daegu is currently focusing on fostering fashion and high tech industries. So I picked Tegu because my beloved ATs, as you know, the K-pop group, they did a Wanted special. It's like one of their reality shows where they were visiting a lot of sites in Korea that like weren't in Seoul. And a lot of them were related to K-dramas. And so the first couple episodes of the series, they focused in Daegu. And I was really, really interested in the sites they went to. And they would even like recreate some scenes from the K-dramas that took place at these settings. And so yeah, just made me want to research uh, Daegu a little more. So that is why I chose it. First, I want to talk about the March 1st Movement Stairs, which was this was probably the most interesting to me of what I found. So the march 1st movement stairs are basically like a long set of about 90 stairs and it's featured in episode 14 of what's wrong with secretary kim that's where young june tells Miso that she's as pretty as the stairs and then he kind of goes like all instagram boyfriend and takes lots of pictures of her as she poses you know i you know, lo- corny, I, the I I know, know but i love it. I, love it I love it because <laughs> it's parks of june so I, know. I love it oh it's great in his suit with his like perfect hair so anyway so i thought these stairs were just kind of like a pretty set of stairs i didn't realize that they had such a significant history to them which they do korea had been under japanese rule from 1910 to 1945 as most of us know and one of the earliest demonstrations of resistance occurred in 1919 with the march 1st independence movement the march 1st independ- independence movement road is in daegu specifically in dosundong Junggu of the uh, Gyeongsang province. And on March 8th, 1919, students from various high schools in the area secretly assembled and rallied down this alleyway, at the time, a pine forest, and its 90-step stairs during the March 1st independent movement. The students hid and marched on the stairs during the revolt. And uh, if you look at pictures of it now, there are Korean flags and photographs all along the wall to remember its significance. So, you know, you can go there and you can recreate the scenes in What's Wrong with Secretary Kim and then also learn about the importance uh, and the history of the stairs to the resistance movement. So speaking of What's Wrong with Secretary Kim, I think there were a lot of Daegu filming locations in that drama. Daegu is also home to the Absin Observatory, which, again, also in What's Wrong with Secretary Kim and I Encourage you to Google it because I think once you see the image of the observatory you'll you'll recognize it. but it's basically an observatory nested at the Mount Aspen that offers a panoramic view of downtown Daegu. so visitors can visit the observatory by taking a fifteen minute cable car ride or hiking for about an hour, which you know Misu probably did in her heels. I don't I'm sure she did. <laughs> So it's really recommended to visit this observatory at night because the city will turn into a city of light during nighttime. And I do remember seeing that in What's Wrong with Secretary Kim? They visited at night and it was really beautiful. So Daegu is also home to the Nampyong Moon Clan's original residence area. And if you've seen Moon Lovers, Scarlet Heart Rio, which I have not, but Leah has. This is where... I think a large portion of that drama took place. So it used to be part of a temple, but the Moon Clan organized the land and to make the area a residence for many generations. As of now, nine houses and two pavilions, as well as a low wall, are located near the road. There's a large building in the center called Sabangjongsa. It is used as a gathering place and features beautiful gardens, and it's also home to a educational place for studies, preserves about 10,000 books and clan treasures. And just a little information, as a family name, Moon is written with one Hanja, and it means writing. And last, Daegu is also home to the Kim Young University's Hanhakjan village. And so this was featured in the drama Mr. Sunshine. So this was where this was the school where Go A Shin, played by Kim Tae Ri, learns English. And it was also portrayed as the prestigious Shin Hua High School in Boys Over Flowers. I think Flowers. I saw that one. <laughs> yeah, I think you did. So Song Campus of Kim Young University has catches the attention of many K-drama lovers, has beautiful buildings surrounded by colorful autumn leaves, has exotic architecture and a beautiful landscape. So, and one last thing about Daegu is that the food that they have known, that they are known for is spicy beef stew. So this dish, which is only found in Daegu, is made with beef shank, leek, and radish, cooked in a broth with plenty of red pepper powder and chopped garlic. It, it has it says it has a aftertaste that is both spicy and refreshing. Maybe it's refreshing because it like clears your sinuses. <laughs> that
2: sounds good. Spicy garlic, like I'm in.
0: Right, and so it's, it has a tradition of more than fifty years, dating back to the days of the Korean War. So the soup is made by boiling the bones and guts overnight it's like a bone broth yeah yeah and then add leeks radishes hot red pepper powder and crushed garlic and it gained its popularity among the refugees during the korean war so i would also like to try that even though it's it it worries me a little bit because i'm a baby i'm
2: not a baby when it comes to slice, but if i do try it you're probably gonna want to like stay away from me for like a day or two until all the garlic is out of my system
0: I know, that too. I will recommend watching the AT special because it was really, really interesting. They talked a lot more about these locations. Yeah, I can share the link in the show notes, but it was uh, the whole special was really interesting. It was maybe like eight episodes and they visited a lot of different places um, around Korea that weren't in Seoul. So I found it really, really cool to see all these different locations that I don't feel like we normally see. So I will link it and... Yeah, I we I will put Daegu on my to visit I link. love how
2: much that we're learning about places that, you know, 18 months ago I knew nothing about. So this is a lot this is a lot right. of fun.
1: And I really? definitely want to go to Daegu as a pilgrim uh, for BTS because it has two very famous sons. One is Kim Taehyung, and then the other is my own Minyungi who goes by August really? D for his, uh, you know, his solo stuff. The D for Daegu. Oh, I love that. So if you're a Sugar Stan or a V Stan, Daegu.
2: All right. Well, now is the time in our program where we talk about our K-pop rec of the week speaking of BTS uh and Megan who do you have for us this week
0: okay so this week i'm recommending she's the boss by the boys um i always love the boys they are fantastic fun to watch and they are on tour right now although i know they recently postponed a couple shows because like 3 of them got covid which is incredibly unfortunate and i hope they get better soon but I guess uh, let's show them some support. And yeah, so check out She's the Boss by
1: The Boys. If you enjoy our podcast, you have our patrons to thank, at least in part. Afternoon a Delight Patreon allows us to keep creating content for y'all to enjoy. Thank you so much to everyone who is supporting us there. And not to brag, but our Patreon community is pretty awesome. And you can join at a tier that feels good to you gain access to fun perks like K-drama posts, monthly Patreon-only bonus podcasts, and even a live K-drama support group on Zoom. Because we know firsthand what it's like to have no one to talk to about those crazy plot twists, amazing characters, and all those feelings. And look, no one should have to walk that walk alone. So learn more by visiting AfternoonAdelight.com. That's www.AfternoonAdelight.com. And hey, while you're on the website, you can check out Afternoonadelight podcast merch, find links to book recommendations, bop along to our K-pop recs, blow up your skin with K-merch recs, find all of our social media and a link to our email. So you can send us recommendations or feedback. And hey, while you're at it, why don't you pop over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five star review? It really helps with our discoverability. Gamsamnida. Alrighty. Well, who is feeling like going to the tropics? So to me, speak? Me, me, me. Okay, maybe not the tropic tropics, but you know. Okay, well, I chose Jeju Island, and um, Jeju Island is a volcanic island in the Korean Straits, far away from the hustle and bustle of Seoul. It has a moderate climate throughout the year, and so it's kind of known as South Korea's Hawaii. It's not that big. It's 45 miles wide and uh, 20 miles north to south, uh, and it's a quick hour flight from Seoul. So first up, I thought, you know, we could talk a little bit about some of the dramas that are set in Jeju, because that's really one of the reasons why I picked this. Um, Basically, this is my excuse to get to talk about Our Blues, which uh, released in 2022 and is still dropping episodes. And hand to chest, this is really what inspired me to pick the location, because, you know, I'm not sure I can get either of you to watch it. So this is my swan song. Um, you know, I'm, first going of- to,
2: I'm going to because Kim Woo-bin is in it and I can't not watch a Kim Woo-bin <laughs>
1: drama where he lives through the whole thing. So, okay. Well, let's see. I don't know if I'm about to sell it to you. I definitely don't think I'm about to sell it to Megan. <laughs> but we'll see. So first off, look, this is no hometown cha-cha-cha. Like right from episode one, we can see that, um, you know, locals can be unhappy, even in a very idyllic and seemingly happy place.
2: <laughs> so it's not raining. It's not dark all the time. It's not cold. And they're still unhappy.
0: Well, you know. So is is it is it soggy, wet wonder? Is
1: it soggy <laughs> wonder bread? <That's>, zip it. <laughs> zip it. This is my time. <laughs> so told from the perspective of multiple characters this is a drama that really needs to take its time to unfurl um so we have uh the outgoing salty and surprisingly wealthy fish store owner jung un hui who she runs into her first love uh choi han soon when he comes back into town under some difficult financial circumstances and, you know, this character is, like, swept away with the idea of rekindling what might have been and, unfortunately, starts to realize that this guy might be reentering her life because he needs money. Aww. Then we have uh, Park Jung-in, who is pa- played by Amy's favorite, Kim Woo-bin, and he's finally making a drama comeback uh, after beating cancer. So, you know. Yay, Kim woo Let's give some... Yes. Yay. Um, and look... <laughs> This He is so dreamy in this. Like, I am a shoulders girl, and his shoulders, like, he's like Atlas holding up the world here, (laughs) as this boat captain who lives on a bus, which is a very, like, cool kind of, like, you know, free spirit thing to do, and... He has this habit of writing questions to himself that he's pondering on this like whiteboard. So as he's oh trying to like, think of things I mean, to wrestle yeah. <laughs> yep, he starts writing questions and he mulls them over. A lot of his questions have to do with the fact that he's smitten by Yi Young-ok, who is this uh mysterious henyo or female diver? And I'm going to get into the female divers of Jeju soon. And she's new to the island. And, you know, she has a lot of suspicion that like uh, the other divers, the other Hanyo's level against her, as well as just kind of women in general, folks think she is promiscuous because she's a little flirty. So anyway, he has lots of feelings about her and their relationship is kind of like slowly unfurling. Then add into the mix another character who is Min Son-ha, who is p- played by Kim Woo-bin's fiancé home- in real life, <laughs> and hometown cha-cha-cha superstar Shin min who plays... A severely depressed, almost catatonic, <laughs> divorced mom. I'm not laughing because depression is funny. I'm laughing because I'm <laughs> telling this to Megan as a drama to watch. Trying to sell the drama. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, her story is getting interesting, too. Um, but she is this object of complicated yearning for another character, Yi Dong-suk, who is played by Mr. Sunshine himself, Yi Byung-hun. And he is a grumpy merchant who makes a living selling random shit out of the back of his truck. <laughs> um, and he's so good in it, too. He's kind of just like a little down on his luck. He's And he's just kind of salty and grumpy. And it really works for him. After like Mr. Sunshine being like a little more debonair. And then we also have two high school students who basically have their love taken to these like Romeo and Juliet levels of drama due to this long standing animosity between their fathers who are two single dads who used to be best friends and now both work at a local fish market. One making Sunday soup and like the blood sausage soup and the other sells ice to uh, the fish vendors and they hate each other's guts. But their kids want to get in each other's pants and they certainly (laughs) do and so you know the drama comps for our blues are like the reply series or maybe my mister (laughs) um it doesn't make me laugh as much as reply or hospital playlist but it's certainly not as bleak as the latter i'd say it's kind of like a midway point between something like reply or hospital playlist and my my mister Um, But throughout all, the island really is this like other presence where the blue seas and kind of just like the surround serve as this like backdrop that kind of uh, tap into the emotional highs and lows of the story. And just really quickly, a few other dramas that also feature Jeju. Um, One is Something in the Rain, which is a Nuna romance with Son Ye Jin and Jung Hae In. And this was a drama I loved so much for about 11 episodes, but it did ultimately, unfortunately, let me down. But Jeju is still there, and it serves as a vehicle for escapism for the characters. And then there's also Warm and Cozy, uh, which stars my, uh, one of my favorites, Yoon Yoon Suk from Hospital Playlist and Mr. Sunshine, and Kong, uh, Kang So Ra. And um, it's totally filmed on the island and like has a lot of those like idyllic romance by the sea vibes. So one other fun fact about Jeju is uh, so, you know, South Korea wasn't always I mean, I always like obviously knew about South Korea, but, you know, I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about it too much. And then kind of like way back when in like the maybe around like 2012, 13, I was a stay at home mom. I was just starting to write. I had two very small children at home and my husband used to go away before COVID for work all the time, like every month was gone, like half the month and at one point he went to uh the world conservation conference which was in jeju island and i remember like i'd never heard of jeju before and he went off and spent like 2 weeks living it up in jeju and you know calling me you know as i'm covered in like toddler puke and pee and poop and whatever <laughs> You know, living his best life on Jeju Island. So I will say I had some bitterness, actually. <laughs> like I, Jeju. The only thing I had to, like attached to Jeju was like a little bit of salty jealousy. But I have turned that corner now, and I want to talk now about a, just a few fun facts with the island. So legend has it is that um, it was founded by three demigods: Go Riang and Boo. And they emerged from holes in the ground and uh, went on to become uh, founders of uh, the kingdom. And so it was until the island fell under Joseon uh, control in the 1400s. But interestingly enough, the names Go, Riang, and Bu are common last names among locals still on the island. So something else that's super rad, and I touched on this really briefly in um, the Our Blues recap, is that Jeju has a matriarchal family structure. So, you know, in many cultures, it's really common to have these like patriarchal family structures where the man is the head of the household and is the main provider. On Jeju, women were often the main providers because of um, the fact of these honyos, uh literally translated to uh, sea woman or female divers. So these women harvest mollusks, seaweed and other sea life from the ocean floor, abalone, And because Jeju's economy relies heavily on, like, the seafood business, these women were the breadwinners in their households. And I also have a book on my summer reading list about these divers called The Mermaid from Jeju by Sumi Han. So I'm excited to read that this summer. So something else you can do, because Jeju is an island and, you know, there's lots of beautiful natural things on islands. You can climb Mount Halasan. And this is a dormant volcano at the center of the island, and it has a nice little crater lake on top, and takes about 8 to 10 hours return if you're, you know, a reasonable walker. It's also the tallest mountain in South Korea. Jirasan comes in second. It's the tallest mountain on the mainland, but if you're going to factor in, like, all of Korea, Mount Hallasan here on Jeju Island has a beat. It's also the home of the oldest Buddhist temple on the island, which uh, was you know destroyed but then rebuilt uh, in the early ni- uh, 20th century. And at this temple there's also a memorial commemorating something called the Jeju Uprising. So I'm just going to, like, touch briefly on the Jeju Uprising because it is kind of interesting. Um, it began April 3rd, 1948, and kind of officially lasted until May 1949, but small pockets of fighting remained until 1953. And so at that April 3rd kind of, like, breakout of, of activity, uh, communist rebels attacked police stations, killed folks, burned polling centers, and urged the local population to, like, rise up and liberate their country from, like, the the so-called American cannibals. Um, Their words, not mine, but. (laughs) Um, And, you know, by 1949, the rebels were openly siding with Kim Il-sung, of fame as, you know, the founding leader of North Korea. And then after North Korea invaded the 38th parallel in in 1950, South Korean military ordered a preemptive apprehension of suspected leftists nationwide. So basically, if they even just thought you were, you know, somebody who was like a leftist, you could be uh, taken into custody. And on Jeju, thousands were detained and they were sorted into groups labeled loosely as A, B, C and D based on their perceived security risks. Then the Jeju police were instructed to execute all those in groups C and D by firing squad. And the estimated total death could be as high as 30,000 people. And these atrocities were carried out in front of the U.S. military, and Americans documented the massacre, but did not intervene. And there's many locations around Jeju where um, the citizens who were killed have been um, like marked or commemorated by towers of volcanic stones. So... Maybe I should have put that last. It's a weird pivot. (laughs) I'm like, like, I don't
2: know where to go from that. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's heavy. Um, It actually made me think of Mr. Sunshine and American complicity in in things. So maybe that can be something from the I have questions, like more questions there, obviously. And America's complicated history on the Korean Peninsula. So um, we'll put a pin on that and we'll try to move to something a little bit later, which is uh, food to try on juju. So, um, you know, obviously it's an island. Seafood is big. Um, A couple things that caught my eye are something called raw cuttlefish water or hanchi mohwe, which I could be pronouncing very badly. I apologize. But it translates into raw cuttlefish water. But the name isn't meant to fool you. It's an icy soup that's full of fresh, thinly sliced raw cuttlefish, which is a type of uh, squid. And then soybean paste, red pepper paste, vegetables, and vinegar. I really like cold soups. I think it sounds good. Also, Jeju has a very famous food, which is black pig. So in traditional Jeju um, architecture, they had like outhouses that were built on stilts. And pigs would, you know, hang out and chow down around like the farming family's uh, leavings. So while... uh, Modern farming practices have eliminated, you know, feeding human waste into like their livestock. Black pig apparently has like a very cultivated taste and it's meant to taste different to their pink counterparts. And then um, lastly is, uh, there is a, so I'm into, I guess, nature. So my last thing I want to talk about is there is a trail, the Jeju Trail that is 425 kilometers And it's a network that circumnavigates the entire island of Jeju. And there's a bunch of different routes you can take, but there's a lot of folks who uh, choose to tackle it as kind of a through hike. And it takes around a month. And I think that sounds really fun. Like you can go from like town to town, be along the coast, be along all the beautiful beaches, eat delicious food, then like burn it off as you're hiking. So, you know, I mean, maybe we need to take longer. In, I know. Uh, like, I would 100% Korea.
2: do that, but that there's my month right there. So. Yeah. So
1: not that month. We'll uh, tack that month on or take that as a separate trip. But I think it sounds really fun. Yeah. Yeah, it does. So there you have it. There's a taste of a few places that, you know, we have on our bucket list. Obviously, once you start to learn about new places and learn about history and learn about how things are set up in, um, you know, other parts of the world, that leads to questions. So I think, you know you'll be probably hearing another podcast about questions this summer. Spoiler alert. (laughs) But, um, but yeah, I think it was really fun to just kind of do a little bit of armchair tourism.
0: Yeah. And I'm sure we'll do another one like this because there's plenty of places obviously that we can cover and even like more dramas in each of the locations that we mentioned, like we could have talked about an endless amount of dramas, but we kind of, you know, narrowed it down, I guess. To Lehman
1: Ho. (laughs) (laughs) The Lehman Ho tour.
0: The, yeah, the Lehman Ho tour around, the Lehman Ho tour trail around Busan. Yeah. Dude, I mean, can you, I am I mean, obviously I'm sure that there is, there's tours, tour g- groups dedicated to K-dramas in Korea, but how funny would it be if there was like one that was just specifically like, let's visit all the Lehman Ho
1: locations <laughs> Sign me where he filmed. <laughs> and right. you just wear like a giant Lehman Ho t-shirt. Just his face. Like,
2: <laughs> just like nothing on it, but just like a giant picture,
1: giant picture of his face. <laughs> oh my God. Or like a mask, like a bank robber, but it's leaving his <laughs> <Lisa's> face. <laughs> you know, I know you're about to like kind of like start a new uh, job, Amy, and like have a career change, but you know, eventually this could be a nice pivot to you. <laughs> you could be the tour leader. Of I could the year. be the Lehman Ho tour right? <laughs> Sure. Could, this could be Amy's yeah, yes. Lehman Ho. So
2: maybe someday when I'm an empty nester and I'm an expat <laughs> in. South Korea, that's how I will make my way for, for my <laughs>
1: twilight years. <laughs> Auntie Amy's mm-hmm. Lehman Ho yep. Tour. There you go. <laughs> Driving the caravan, so the coach around. So
2: you're not traveling to Korea tomorrow, Leah, but you are traveling to Australia. And are there any places since it's been so long since you've been there that you're
1: excited to see that you haven't seen in a few years? Hmm, That's a great question. Um, I really do like the beaches uh, near my in-laws. So they live right at the gateway to what's called the Great Ocean Road. And so it's going to be winter and it's on the Bass Strait, which is this uh, corridor of very uh, wild uh, ocean that kind of lies between the Australian mainland and Tasmania, the island to the south. So I'm really excited to do like winter beach exploring, you know, see, they have a, we were just talking about cuttlefish. You get like the, the cuttlefish, like inner skeletons that wash up on the beach. And those are really fun together. And something else I just wanted to throw out is if anyone's listening and you live kind of in like the Melbourne or Brisbane or Cairns areas, like, you know, maybe we could, you know, reach out on the afternoon uh, delight our, what's our email handle? Are we Afternoon of Delight Podcast at uh, gmail.com? And, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's possible we could catch up. I am going to. I, one thing I'm really looking forward to that I do want to throw out that's K Drama related is I'm going to be staying um, in the Sunshine Coast just north of Brisbane. And one of my friends who I'm staying with, She's a scientist, kind of. So she's not. She's not letting me get away with saying this because she's like, that's not factually accurate. Because she's like Neil, basically. But I would hazard a guess that she is like the biggest descendants of the sun fan that's ever existed. I think she's watched it like ten times without a joke.
2: Oh my gosh! Oh my. And God. so, um,
1: I told her I was like, I'm bringing my mic because I'm going to be podcasting from Australia, and I was like, I wanna, I wanna interview you about your descent because this drama is clearly hit such a chord for her it's her comfort watch she had i don't love descendants of the sun and she I don't like, is a- either no and she's appalled by this so i want her to make the case of why she thinks it's like flipping amazing because amy and i were left pretty cold by this drama but it is her everything i still haven't seen it wow
0: well can i just say related that Two um, book bloggers who I've known for a while uh, recently started watching K-dramas at a very rapid rate. Like, I am so impressed. They're like me. <laughs> I convinced them to watch I'm Not a Robot, and they buddy watched it. because. And I told them, I was like, look, I know the premise sounds bonkers and weird and, like, not cool at all. Please trust me. Please trust me. And they buddy watched it and they loved it. I thought
2: you were, I thought you were going to say and neither of them liked no.
0: it. Like, <laughs> oh my god, I would have been cry- I mean, I would have like, No, I would I would have unfriended them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I would have blocked them from my life. Um no, I what I was like I honestly was kind of waiting on like pins and needles. I was like, what if they hated it? But they both they both really really enjoyed it and they were like, "You're right. I can't it- doesn't right. seem like it would be a good drama a- at all, but they were like, you know, the the male lead was just so perfect. The acting was amazing, and the romance was great. And it just really, it really, you know, made my month. I, think, I challenge somebody to not like that drama. Like how, like, yeah, if you absolutely
1: hate yeah, it I want to do know a special why, just actually. like I'm going to be interviewing this person who loves Descendants of the Sun more than the power of speech uh I, I mean and look i liked i liked it better than amy did i did not like
2: it at yeah. all yeah i liked sorry. it sorry i mean like not yet i still want to try it just was not
1: my um yeah it was a so-so for yeah. me but anyway yeah we will get we will get the digs on that and that yeah, would be a fun one if you're in australia yeah, i'm gonna be in you let's like you know i'm gonna be all alone so i have one <laughs> more quick question about australia that you just made me think of
2: what is winter like in australia like is it Actually, get cold colds there,
1: or like, what's the? Yeah. Anyway, I want to know that oh, too. That's a great question too. So Australia is very big. <laughs> so like, it's kind of like True. the size like where of you're like, going to be, where you the get, lower where... forty-eight states. So where I am going to be is it's going to be probably like Seattle winter weather for okay. where I am. But if you went north uh, a little bit, you'll hit the Australian Alps, and they're skiing there. So yeah. you know, like maybe two hours to the north huh. okay. uh, are a bunch of different ski hills. Yeah, like my husband used to snowboard all the time. Like the the university that I did exchange on that I met him at was kind of like a lot of people would go to the snow from there uh, because it was like an hour away from a lot of the ski hills. And so then... um and then yeah, we're going to be going up, you know, north into Queensland because uh it'll be it's still going to be a bit cool. I guess it's like a little unseasonably cool at the moment, but you know, it'll be like going to Hawaii in winter time or something. Oh, okay. But this is also a good time to go to the desert. We're not going to be doing that this trip, but um in the future, now that we might be on this like new schedule of going to Australia in the winter because it fits with school schedules, um that could be a really good time to start going into the desert as well because the desert in summer is like stupid like 120 degrees or something like it's not possible <laughs> and so um yeah i'm looking forward to like yeah getting into the outback a little bit more maybe in future trips so maybe i can bring megan for some you know we know megan loves the thorn birds so much so bring her back and have like you oh know God. we we could go I'm stay on a the station plumbers. and i'm not bringing my son because of his name he's going to drown <laughs> oh my in the ocean. <laughs> i think didn't <laughs> Oh, sorry. And bad. Bad. I know that was like a <laughs> Let's Let's sorry, give I'm it sorry, back sorry. to like sorry. maybe we can find a hot Priest There you go <laughs> a hot... so Let's bring a hot, so... <laughs> a hot priest into the Outback and I'm going to do my I am actually legitimately nervous about crocodiles. I mean they're really not going to be that many where we are We're not going to go that far north I think I just I don't know Crocodiles scare me in a way that like the other Thing I'm not scared of spiders at all Snakes, I don't love, but I've kind of like made my peace with like giving them space. But crocodiles, they just feel like yeah, they're no joke. Scary. Well,
0: I feel like American media like only depicts Australia as like hot as shit. Like, do, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like American media does not recognize that like Australia has oh, right? Seasons. And so, like, they do like the I crocodile. Mean, like, if you picture anything, yeah, yeah, like every movie, every movie that's like in Australia or has Australia people. They're, like, all wearing shorts and boots, and they're yeah. sweaty. And it's, like, and every time there's something in Australia, it's, like. Yeah, and Melbourne is
1: very much, like, very Seattle. Everyone wears black. It's very stylish. Uh, big art scene. Lots of coffee. Cool. A big Italian population. A big Greek population. And, um, oh, okay. yeah, so totally just, like, yeah, no, I know what you're saying. There's, like, a little bit of the stereotype. But just, like, all, all Americans yeah. aren't, like, hanging out at, I don't know, eating cats. Eating eat, 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 half half and crunch,
2: crunch. <laughs> <laughs> Well, have a wonderful trip. We're excited to pod with you from Australia for yeah, next week.
0: One. We expect an accent next week. Oh my my, my I'm, I'm just kidding. My Australian accent is
1: legitimately the yeah. worst, but I will do my best. <laughs> I'm just
0: kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, we'll see everyone Annyeong. next week. Anyong.
2: Kamsamnida. Thank you for listening to Afternoon of Delight. Where can you find us outside the pod? Head on over to afternoonadelight.com. That's A F T E R N O O N A D E L I G H T.